that are alive, you are coming with me. What is this bullshit? Good Trash Genre Cast. I love you. I know. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Hello everybody and welcome again to the Good Trash Genre Cast, where people gather around a table and we, this month, discuss the films you will absolutely find in a film studies course because it is our anti-trash marathon the same way we start the uh the show every year uh with a little bit of uh we you know it's just nice to start the year with uh some some high ass art uh before we we go digging in the dumpster yeah we're gonna we're gonna cleanse our palate and then we're going to ruin it entirely that's pretty much how we do things yeah so that's what's going to happen right now ordinarily we tend to go into the trash type places but now we are going to go into uh, alfonso Cuarón's uh, great little film uh Itu mama tambien really a great uh, palate cleanser after watching bright yeah yeah it's not bright no it's not it's um uh, I, better uh yeah yeah <laughs> a little I, bit. I should say so look does E2 Mama Tambien have orcs? No, it does not. But it has so much so much more to offer you. What than, if it did uh, have orcs? You know what? Probably a worse movie. Probably <laughs> a worse movie. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that right now. No no uh, lazy and or messy uh, attempts at racial allegory. Just uh, just good old ennui. So, yeah, we're going to talk a lot about that. We're going to warn you in case this is the first time you've tuned in the show. This is an analysis show, not a review show. And there will be spoilers in part of our analysis discussion. However, we avoid that in the first part of the show. We have a synopsis from The Voice of the Cinema. And then we move into our quick thumbs up, thumbs down reviews. And after that, we play a game which might involve, and I think in this t- this case, it would involve a, a, a mild spoiler. Yeah. Maybe semi-significant spoiler uh, of, the, of the film in question. But we are generally mostly clean there and then once we get down to business it's all spoiler bets are off guys and you will learn that guy el garcia bernal is your mother too he is your mother too and your mother he's my mother he's all of our mothers yes we all he's the great eternal mother (laughs) gal garcia bernal is better than 10 mothers uh that's what (laughs) (laughs) oh man that is a deep cut reference (laughs) that's from a les blank's great film garlic is better than 10 mothers it's uh garlic is as good as as good as yeah yeah Good movie. It's it's a it's yeah it's it's a very very fun movie. Go go find it. But we're not talking about garlic very much in the course of uh, this discussion. No, mostly shrimp soup and tequila. So let's go ahead and introduce Fruit. ourselves, just so the people know who we are. Who are you, sir? My name is Dalton Stewart, and um, I, I don't have a good line. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I, I, the, there's a lot of great ones in this movie. Uh, I, I'm just going to go ahead and. Uh, say with the the same look of sincere shock as diego luna culo <laughs> all righty and who are you sir i am arthur gordon and if you play with babies you end up washing diapers ain't that the truth that's brother. the truth and uh gentlemen my name is dustin sells and i have one thing to tell you e2 mama tambien and uh <laughs> both of them <laughs> Woo! <laughs> you turkey Alrighty, well there you go Let's go ahead and hear that synopsis uh, From the voice of cinema Mr. Arthur Gordon, if you would please In Mexico Two teenage boys and an attractive older woman Embark on a road trip And learn a thing or two about life 
friendship, sex, and each other. They do learn. That is an incredibly accurate synopsis. That, that all those things do indeed happen. So uh, we'll just get right into it, guys. Did you like E2 Mama Tommy? And I go to you first, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What say you, sir? I did. I, had I, you seen it before? I had not seen okay, it. This was my first time. I didn't think so. I'd always kind of wanted to, but I never got around to it. Um, I, I enjoyed it. I, I think there's something very sweet about it, I, I, the way it plays out. I think there's something very raw about it, both technically and just the, the story itself. There's something very human about it. Um, I think it's a great coming of age story. Uh, the performances are all very well, uh, you know, put in. I, I, I love everybody here. I think they're all doing a great job. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's high praise, I think, all around. Uh, I, I have some issues with some of the technical stuff. And I know it's intentional, but it, it's just a personal thing, really. Uh, and it's mainly in the voiceover, the way he's the way doing the audio o- cuts. The way the audio cuts out. Yeah. yeah it's a little jarring at first. Yeah. Uh, and especially there are some sequences where he does it pretty frequently. Um, you know, there'll be a couple of moments of dialogue and then cut and then voiceover and then back. And then just really in rapid succession. And I, that stuff kind of, uh, it just kind of annoys me, uh, from a personal standpoint. Um, but I, I do appreciate the very raw, uh, rawness of the, of the movie itself. Um, and I, and I like, there's a moment at the end where, uh, and throughout the film where he's using that kind of ironically to, uh, kind of do the narrator thing from Arrested Development, uh, which is kind of fun. Um, and so I appreciate that, but, uh, yeah, I, I enjoyed it. I, I liked it quite a bit. I, I'm glad I finally got to watch it. Uh, it was funny, uh, charming, sweet, uh, sad, you know, I mean, it hits all the emotions. Um, and it's a very lived in world and very lived in characters. And I appreciate that about it. All right. Well, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What do you say, Mr. Dullster? Did you like E2 Mama Tambien? Oh, I did. These teens be pumping. <laughs> they be pumping. These teens are pumping. Um, I also had not seen it before. Uh, I'm a big Quran fan, so I know it's been on my list of things I needed to watch for a while. Um, so as soon as we were putting together this anti-trash marathon and you happened to mention it as a possibility, Dustin, I was like, that's it. We got to do it. Um, so I'm so glad I finally got to catch up with it. Um, yeah, I, I'm going to echo a lot of what Arthur had to say. It, it's just got a real humanistic quality to it that, you know, when when a, when a film is humming like this, it just, it, it really takes places. Um, it really does a great job of capturing that, that interpersonal tor- turmoil that you have as a teenager, I think, uh, amongst friends. Uh, especially in groups where everyone knows each other in some capacity. I, the 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 dialogue is really great. I love the, oh, so-and-so's cousin, or you know, the, just the the ways in which uh, the characters uh, talk about the, their lives and the people they know. Um, Julio and Tanach, played by uh, Gael Garcia Bernal and Diego Luna, respectively, I, they just... Man, they've got a great chemistry together. Uh, I, you buy their friendship. Um, and then uh, Maribel Verdu, I believe, uh, mm-hmm. the actress who plays uh, Louisa, um, she's great. I'd, I'd never seen her in anything else. Uh, and she was really fantastic. Um, and just the three of them have a really kind of fabulous chemistry that if the actors weren't so strong, almost you, you wonder if it would work. Um, but at no moment do you not buy the relationships. I think at, at every turn, every, you know, development in, in the, in the plot and in the characters, every, every development makes sense. Um, I, there, there's a lot going on politically that just as subtext, it's kind of interesting. 
Um, I've never seen the film Dreamers, the uh, the also uh, very sexy movie uh, that is similarly about young people in a time of political upheaval. Uh, that film being set in France, obviously. Um, but it made me think of that, of you know, what I'm aware of that film. So uh, I think that subtext of, you know, that this time of a real political upheaval in late 90s uh, Mexico um, is a really kind of interesting place for Quran to, to set the film. And obviously, you know, he probably, you know, being just a little bit older than these characters when he made this movie, uh, he would have been, what, his mid-20s when he made this? I could not tell you for sure. I'd have to do some research. I would say he's it. closer to his 30s, though. Oh, he would have been in his yeah. 30s already? Okay. Because how old is he? These is guys he's... are all quite a bit older than I think you'd guess. Yeah, he's, I mean, he's already done two or three Hollywood movies at this point. Had yeah. he really? Yeah, he did Great Expectations, and he did another one in 96, I think. So oh, he'd already wow. been working in Hollywood. I mean, See, th- I thought this was one of his first movies. Okay. Del Toro and Inarito and he are all yeah, about I know the same, around the same That's yeah. true. They're all contemporaries. I did forget that. Okay, that makes... Him and Inarito are, like, distantly related, aren't they? Uh, I don't know that. I, th- I know that there's a lot of... Uh, the, the thing that I like about this um, gener- that generation of Mexican filmmakers is there is a, a lot of... Uh, cross influence. Um, I know that there's a lot of uh, families on the productions, which I think is kind of cool. Right. I just always like that. Uh, we've talked about this on the show before. I, I appreciate uh, film production as a family business. I think there's something kind of sweet about that. I do know that they all tend to share Guillermo Navarro, the uh, director of photography, yes. quite a bit. Yes, yeah. and uh, woo, what a good call because Guillermo Navarro knows how to shoot a damn movie. Yeah, he does. Um, but anyway, uh, just ke- keeping to the real plot beats and character beats of this film because those are the things that i i feel more uh, equipped to talk about um i just i love it i love the way it moves it's kind of got this sleepy dreamy quality to it that i really like i I think it captures that that year of you know the end of primary school before people start going off to be grown-ups i think it really captures that that freewheeling lifestyle very well um and it makes you very fascinated in the culture of Mexico City, uh, and really, I mean, Tanach being from this, you know, upper class family. I mean, the house is big. Well, his dad's a secretary his, of state. Yeah, exactly. He is coming from a very powerful family. His dad's Harvard educated. I mean, and he's got a nanny that he called mom till he was four. Uh, and then you have Julio on the other hand, who you know is uh, you know got a working mom uh, who's worked for the same company forever, and you know him and his sister have to share the car that barely works. I mean, it really captures that friendship between two people. The, the subtext of, you know, one friend coming from money and one friend not, like, I, th- I think it does a really great job of navigating that aspect of their relationship without really trying to be too on the nose about it. Um, and likewise, Luisa is kind of caught between both those worlds, right? Being married to Tanach's, um, am I saying his name right? Tanakh. Tanakh, okay. She she is um, married to Tanakh's cousin who's also, you know, coming from money and she talks about how she, you know, she's an orphan. She grew, she was raised by a, a sickly aunt and had to, you know, join the workforce very early. So these, you know, these sociopolitical themes that kind of ride throughout the film as subtext, it, it, it's woven throughout the emotional beats of the film in a way that is so subtle that it, it really makes you think about those issues without, you know, being a pain in the ass about it. Because it's not about those things. It is about their relationship, uh, these three characters. And um, it, it does such a good job of capturing that. And, yeah, you, you're familiar with this movie, listener. You know this is a movie about a three-way. Uh, but that's not what the movie's about at all. No. That's not at all what it's about. Yes, there's a lot of sex in this movie. The, the film opens with a sex scene. I mean, just lots of lots of sex in this movie. So that's not your cup of tea. I get it. That's okay. You don't have to like movies with pumping. It's fine. 
But if you can get over that, if you can, you know, put your puritanical baggage to the side to, to enjoy this, ooh, you're gonna you're in for a treat, man. You're in for a treat. Ugh, it's so good. Dustin, what did you think? You had seen this before. I had seen this before. I, I give it four out of four dancing Mexican grandmothers. Um, yeah. It's, it, yeah. I love it so much. It, it, it's a great movie. Um, I did actually see it in the course of a film studies class. I, I took a, a film on globalization um, in cinema. And mm-hmm. so it was one of the court, uh, one of the films that we had that, that was part of the syllabus there. And, uh, yeah, I've, I've, I've liked this movie ever since. Uh, it, it's just – it's one of the rare happy you know, cheerful, erotic films, which uh, d- does not typically happen. And uh, the performances are absolutely all standout. And what I love about it is that there is a sort of a existentialism that's part of these coming-of-age films, which is sort of like life is worth for living and, you know, seize the day, carpe diem kind of stuff that a lot of these films kind of do. And what it does is it puts that stuff alongside the real political struggles that are going on in Mexico at the time and saying, yeah, fine, life's worth living, but if all that, if that's all you do – People still suffer on the on the margins. That there's got to be more to it than simply just you know uh, getting your jollies, whatever your jollies happen to be. In this case, lots and lots of sex or masturbating on a uh, diving board mm-hmm. um, or a pair of diving boards or uh, ecstasy imported from San Francisco. Yes, yeah. So um, there, there, there's got to be more to, it. and there's a certain vapidity that that it sort of exposes uh, to that kind of lifestyle as well. And no, absolutely, absolutely. And the ways in which people can sometimes become trapped in that, and I find that to be really, really interesting. And so it, it it's a much more um, responsible version of the coming of age film, and probably the most responsible version of the coming of age film that I've ever seen. And I think you're absolutely right. I think it nails the the absolutely potentially life destroying consequences of a freewheeling lifestyle without you know moralizing at all, right? Right, so there, there's all of that stuff going on, but it's also sort of celebrating some of that youthful, just you know, ridiculousness that happens. Yeah. But at the same time, going, yeah, and yet, if this is all that you do, then you're kind of missing it, yeah, you know, and then you're just dead, you know. And so uh, there's something going on there that I think is, again, just really, really interesting and something I deeply, deeply enjoyed. So there you go, dear listener. Our biases are definitely pro regarding Itumama Tambien. So uh, without any further ado, let's do this a uh, little pluggy part of our show um dalton say things about social media and how people can be part of the good trash community that's right dear listener it's time for the part where i earn my keep and i do the pluggy stuff uh if you want to engage with us uh, other than just putting this in your ear there's lots of ways you can do that uh again 2018 we're here guys it's a new slate uh let's make the internet be better uh let's not be dickheads let's be nice to each other um that's a lot easier said than done, I'm aware, but let's do our best. So how can you encourage a a better discourse? You can come find us on Twitter at good underscore trash. That is the home for all things good trash media, not just this show, the good trash genre cast, but uh, all the stuff we do, both our written content over at goodtrashmedia.com. We plug that a lot over on the Twitter, uh, as well as our other show on the network right now, The Praise Down with Heath and Alex, where uh, my roommate Heath Huffman and uh, Alex Sanchez, uh, two of my favorite comedians in this area, uh, talk about Christian music with people who are uh, of various uh, faith backgrounds and current practices. Uh, it's a really funny show. If you like this show but wish there were more jokes... It's, it's for you. Uh, they're, they're doing really kind of interesting uh, music discourse talking about uh, the very specific subgenre that is Christian rock music uh, and trying to, to bring, bring some heightened discourse to that. Uh, just like we are trying to uh, make you think about, quote, trash cinema in a way you normally wouldn't think about it. They're trying to get you to think about 
Christian rock, which is pretty much discarded uh, by mainstream culture. Uh, and they're trying to make you think about it a little bit more critically uh, and also let you get to know a guest and let you get to know um, their guest's background and just having those conversations about spirituality and, you know, mysticism and faith and um, existentialism and all that good stuff with lots of very, very silly bits, including one of my favorite bits that they've ever done uh, where they uh, did three different uh, public access pornography channels. Uh, I forget whose episode that was. So, yeah, that's the kind of really uh, funny and character uh, riffs you'll get on that show because they, they love a, a good derailment. So that's the Praise Down with Ethan Alex, the other show on this network. I uh, just wanted to throw them some love real quick. If you have questions about that show, you can hit us on Twitter at good underscore trash. We are also on Facebook. That's facebook.com forward slash GTM. And, of course, in the new year, we are revamping our Patreon. Um, we don't do ads. <clears throat> we tried it. It's really more trouble than it's worth. We just like making this show. Uh, if you like it a lot and you want to help make it better and want to help us keep the lights on, you can go to patreon.com forward slash GTM. Uh, we're right now in the process of uh, making lots of fun bonus content for you. Uh, the bonus episode we just did over Bright is going to be a little bit of a sampling of the kind of stuff that you will have access to if you uh, donate to us on Patreon. Uh, the explanation of you know all the tiers and stuff is, is over there, so you can go check that out. We don't need to get into that on the show, but if that's something you're interested in, hey, absolutely. You're more than welcome to give us your money. Uh, if you don't want to, if that's not in the budget for you, hey, times are tough. Don't worry about it. You're fine. Don't. We, I, this is not going to be one of those podcasts that guilts you for not giving us money. It is okay if you don't want to do that. That's fine. We all have other jobs. We're not, you know, you're not taking money, uh, food out of our mouths if you don't give us money. It's okay. But if you want to, that's patreon.com forward slash GTM. If you want to give back another way, just tell your friends about the show. You know, that's the only way that the, the word gets spread on this. You know, we're, we, don't, uh, we don't pimp the show very hard. We don't uh, go beat down people's doors and uh, make them listen to it. We just put it out there. And uh, if you like what we're doing, spread the word. Tell your friends, tell your family if, uh, if they like film and they like uh, jokes. This is a this is the place for them to come hang out. Uh, that's that's what we're about. We we like talking about movies and we like making you think about them. Um, so again, uh, just in summation, Twitter dot com uh, at good underscore trash, Facebook dot com uh, slash good lord, Facebook's so complicated. Uh, Facebook dot com forward slash GTM. I wish there was an app thing; it would make it so much easier. Uh, and of course, Patreon dot com forward slash GTM. And uh, as always. As you've been told a thousand times by a thousand podcasts, you can rate, review, and subscribe to the show on your preferred uh, podcast delivery system because that does help our uh, visibility out there. All righty. Well, thank you very much for did that. Did I do good? You did great. Good job. Okay. Thanks, Dad. I give that affirmation every oh, time. I love it. <sighs> well, guys, I think now it is now time to play the game. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. <laughs> and we're back to the part of the show where everybody plays and nobody wins. We're going to play the game. This week's game is our favorite, or rather... You haven't uh, been keeping score this whole time. <laughs> our, yeah, no, I, Arthur and I both have. This isn't whose line is it anyway, bitch. The points do matter. And guess what? You're in last place. Uh, Step it up. Okay. <laughs> uh, I will do so when we play this week's game, which is uh, cinematic locations we'd like to die in. That's right. 
favorite cinematic locations you'd like to spend your final days. Brought to you by Itumama Tambien and the beach, Heaven's Mouth. Heaven's Mouth. Turns out it is a real place. Yes, and so um, she dies in Heaven's Mouth, I sort of, so to speak. Um, I don't know. That seems like weirdly metaphorical in some strange way. I'm not going to go there. Uh, but where would you like to die? Um, Arthur? Uh, my first pick is going to be <laughs> a fun little place where I think everything, all my worries and cares can go away, and I'll be surrounded by fun friends and great food, and that is the Shire. Yes. Uh, Good pick. It just seems like such a joyful place to be, and just great, sweet little people. and. Just- Setting off fireworks, eating like candy. Eight meals a day. I can get behind that. Just hanging out at the local town. I'm all about elevensies. Um, and so, you know, uh, partaking in, in, in all the fun regional uh, extracurriculars that the Shire has to offer. Sleeping uh, by the lake while fishing. And I, I think it'd just be a sweet place, you know, the last, you know, last days of your life. And just... You know, be carefree. It's interesting that you say that because I also thought of a uh, Tolkien verse place, and mine was Rivendell, though. Yeah, um, because it, 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 it's a good place for just some quiet. There's a lot of interesting people coming in and out. Yeah, and it, it's a bit more cosmopolitan, but the similar kind of thing. There's there's, there's singing and there. You'd be hanging out with the bougie elves and bright, wouldn't you? I, I no, yeah. <laughs> I mean, the bougie elves and. Middle Earth, but yeah, they're 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 a little on the bougie side, I suppose. But there's dwarves coming through. There's there's humans and rangers coming through, and I, I just you know you'd hear people and you hear their stories, and uh, you'd have some time just for some quiet and writing. You know what? I'm, that's a good pick. Uh, I'm thinking about uh, especially that scene in Fellowship where everybody's just kind of like meeting up there and talking about their tales of the road. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that would be my pick for my first pick. What's your first pick? You know, let's go ahead and keep this fantasy train going. I actually don't know the name of this place because as much as I like Star Wars, I don't have enough space in my my brain to remember all the planets. Uh, But let's go with a real recent pick and keep this fantasy train going with... uh, the planet of the first Jedi temple and the last Jedi. Yeah. If it's good enough for Luke Skywalker, damn it, it's good enough for me. Uh, it's kind of a different take on your final days. I, I like to think of, uh, you know, the Shire and, and Rivendell are a great place to just spend, spend your golden years. Uh, the, the planet of the last Jedi temple is a place you go to die. You want to chill with the fish nuns. I want to hang out with the fish nuns. I want to meditate. Yeah. I want to meditate. I want to pass on knowledge. If I, if yeah, I don't really have much to pass on now, but hopefully I've got another. <laughs> I got another sixty years in me. I can, I can accumulate some more uh, wisdom. Uh, I don't know. I think there's something uh, about that really scenic vista uh, and just those. You know, I've, I'm not mu- somebody. I'm from a landlocked place. I haven't spent a lot of time around the water in my life. A little bit. Uh, I, I don't haven't spent around, a lot of time around mountains either. I, I'm from the plains. I'm a plainsman. Uh, but there's something kind of beautiful about those those jagged cliffs and those beautiful waves and. I don't know. There's there's something really kind of beautiful, uh, and yeah, there's there's deep caves full of secret knowledge, and uh, yeah, there's good stuff there. I, I think that's a great place uh, if if you know your time has come. That's a pretty good place to go ahead and spend it. All righty. Well, thank you very much for that. Okay, I go to you again, Mr. Arthur Gordon. What is your next selection for places you would like to spend your last days? I'm thinking of a bright, colorful place that's going to be full of interesting, quirky characters, and that is the Grand Budapest Hotel. Ooh, good pick. Nice. Um, and there'll probably be some cupcakes involved, and I'll enjoy those. But, uh, yeah, like you were saying about Rivendell, it's just going to be filled with fascinating people coming and going and just telling stories and just hearing some very fascinating things and just kind of reflecting on life in that way. And so I think... Uh, you know, there'd definitely be some quirky stuff happening, uh, and everything would be really stagey, kind of like a play or something like that, which would be really boxed out, so that'd be interesting, but uh, I think the Budapest would be fun. I think it'd be a bright, 
cheerful place to to spend those last days. All right. Well, thank you for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what's your next selection? My next selection is going to be from a TV show. Uh, it's one I've been... Ca- I know. Nope. Don't shake your head. You know what? Cheater. It's my show. She- it's nope. our show. We all make the... Oh, sorry. Take a step about- back. Yeah, really sorry about that. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Hey, guys. Really sorry well, about that. that slip out, didn't you? Woo! Freudian slip there. It's our show, and we all as a unit make the rules up as we go. So I'm picking a TV show. Just hang with me for a second. Guys, I started watching Gilmore Girls, and I really like it a lot. I see what the I see what the hype's about. I like it a lot. And Stars Hollow, man, I I'm not one for small towns in general. I'm not from a small town, I'm from the suburbs. I you know, I, I I gravitate towards cities in general. But there is something to be said for a town where everybody knows each other, uh, and everybody kind of goes to the same places to unwind. Uh, and you know, there's only like four restaurants, and there's only like one movie theater and one library, and you just kind of bump into people. And I, I think that's a nice place to 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 decompress. I mean, if you you spend your life uh, in, in hustle and bustle, there is something to be said for uh, you know people just wandering around and always drinking coffee at the same place in the morning. I, I think there's something very pleasant about the depiction of Stars Hollow uh, in the show Gilmore Girls. So, uh, guys. I've spent so long of my life not watching that show and being told I should that uh, I really hate how much I like it, honestly. (laughs) I really do. I'm really annoyed how much I like Gilmore Girls because it's a good-ass TV show. His 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 pick plays out really dangerously because there's two ways that can go. There's there's the postcard idyllic like New England town, mm-hmm. but then there's like the podunk town where there's like two diners where everybody does go, but it's all just drama. Yeah, and that's and, the thing. And that's like the purgatory. Like that's the hell. Yeah, like, that's, that's where bad. I don't want to go. Oh, I don't want to go there either. I I've spent time I'm in from places, that town. I've spent time in places <laughs> like that. Uh, you know, I I've spent weekends in uh, Davis, Oklahoma, which is there's something to be said for it. But yeah. man, it's. Oh, boy. And now there's just, like, a giant casino hotel there that doesn't feel like it fits. Um, so, yeah, no, Arthur is right. Trust me. That that idyllic uh, small-town life can go totally sideways. But when it's, when it's operating uh, on all cylinders, I, I think there's something to be said for it. Dustin, what's what's next for you, bud? All right, I'm going to save one and uh, adjust because you have chosen television, so I'm choosing television. Yeah, go too. for it, man. So I- I'm going Twin Peaks, man. Hell yeah, dude. <laughs> but you want that? Weird that one. is the other town. That is, That's the other you know side what? of that coin. You're absolutely right. That is the other side it of that is. coin. Yeah, but it's, it's it's fun because you got a good slice of pie and you got mysteries and all kinds of crazy things going and potentially on. Potentially an intersection of uh, life your, and death. Do you see yourself becoming like a private dick in this town? Uh, and like very very in possible. Your final days, yeah. Dustin has always been a private dick <laughs> I, I try to keep that private <laughs> but yeah, you guys know my love of twin peaks and i do so, yeah that that would definitely be a, a, a place i would enjoy my time uh for sure for sure and i would like agent cooper i would want to retire there i think that would be excellent for me so uh number last mr arthur gordon what do you select uh i, I know this is an odd choice because of the political climate at the time but uh, if if it's my like last week I just really want to spend a week in Casablanca, and I want to close down Rick's Cafe several nights, just hanging with Louie and, you know, playing cards with uh, with uh, Claude Rains and just, you know, meeting the interesting characters and just seeing the fascinating way of life at the time. Uh, and, you know, Humphrey Bogart, just hanging out with him, with the bogey, and just having some fun. And uh, there's something very romantic about Casablanca in that film, and so I think uh, Rick's Cafe Americana would be a uh, fine way to go. Hey, and any final days spent fighting fascism or... Uh a good way fi- to go. Final day's worth talking about. It's a good time. I agree with that. I like it very much. Mr. Dalton Stewart, what's your final pick? I, it's weird that 
I'm going to go with another kind of a small town thing. I, I, I know it's, it, it feels wrong for me, but at the same time, it's not something I have a lot of experience with. So when I see these things in film and television, they do kind of speak to me a little bit. Uh, and it's, it's uh, going to be the, <laughs> the orphanage from Night of the Hunter. And it's not really an orphanage. It, it is just this old lady's house who likes taking care of kids. And for the life of me, I cannot think of uh, the character's name. Uh, but if you are familiar with the film Night of the Hunter, uh, you know that the Harper children end up in... Uh... <laughs> Hang with me. Just give me a you second. You want to spend your last day surrounded by children? <laughs> Kids are good, man. I like kids. They're, they're, do you know any? Give me a second. I'm getting there. Actually, I do. All right. Real talk. So I we're take a side. We're gonna take a side step. So I had to go to a holiday party uh, with my in-laws uh, or my my future in-laws. My fiance, doctor, uh, doctor fiance was not there. Um, so it was just me and the in-laws, and I was real nervous. Uh, and it went fine. Uh, her nieces, uh, she's got a bunch of uh, nieces uh, and, like, two nephews, uh, three nephews, but a whole bunch of nieces. Um, and I've been around for three years now, so I've kind of – we have a rapport. The ones that are older are funny, dude. These kids are hilarious. Uh, they are plugged into the meme culture like you would not believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them uh, dropped uh, another one. Perfect DJ Khaled voice just goes, another one. And I lost my shit. <laughs> so, yes, children are charming. And when you watch Night of the Hunter, that film does such a great job of capturing what is kind of special about kids. They are resilient in a way that you kind of stop being when you're a grown-up, I I think. I think as you get older, strife and hardship and trauma get a lot fucking harder to carry. I think when you're a child, when those things happen, there is a resiliency. um, And I think there is a responsibility to kids who don't have anybody to look after them and that's that's what i like about this film this and again i can't think of the character's name but the actress is absolutely phenomenal she just runs this house because it's you know it's the dust bowl there's a lot of kids without anybody to take care of them and somebody needs to and that's just what she does and you know somebody's got to be there uh and i kind of there's something great about this person just saying i'm gonna protect these kids from the nightmares of this world, like uh, Henry Powell, as played by um, Robert Mitchum, who's running around with love and hate on his hands, acting like a preacher and killing people and taking their money. Somebody's got to stand between people like that and kids who are very easily taken advantage of. And I, I think the, that is a very noble way to spend your golden years is giving back. And like we said, like Luke's uh, Planet with the Fish Nuns, there's something to be said for spending your final days passing on your wisdom and i think what works in night of the hunter is as opposed to isolating herself this character has opened up her home and just said you can stay here as long as you want you're not going to be judged for any mistakes that you make and that's one of the things that i really like about uh this makeshift orphanage that she runs she seems like a real hard ass but at the end of the day all she cares about is making sure these kids are safe and there's something really kind of beautiful and special about uh, about it and she has this amazing line in the film uh that uh it's a cruel world for little things or mm-hmm. so, something to that mm-hmm. effect and yeah it really is um it's a hard world and somebody who knows a little bit more needs to step up and say you don't get to fuck with these kids man like you don't get to break them you don't get to convince them that the world is bad because there's a lot of good here and 
I, I, I don't know. I think there's something nice about it. I just want to, like, walk around town and be a handyman or, I don't know, I'm, I'm somewhat useful. Uh, but there's something very idyllic. It kind of goes back to that small town thing. And, uh, man, uh, it's just uh, it's one of my favorite movies that I caught up with in 2017. And every time I think about Night of the Hunter, I want to watch it again. So I, I think that speaks to that compulsion to, uh, you know, when you think about the places you want to spend your final days, if a film keeps coming back to you when you think about it, there might be something worth uh, digging into. That's all. All right. Well, I that, that, did I make the case? Okay. Yeah. Did I make the case? Except for the children part, but yeah. Yeah. Well. <laughs> yeah, you've got your own. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I, so I understand. Okay, give, give me like ten years. I'll probably change my tune. Mm. I like my kids. They're okay. Yeah, I know you do. They're, they're okay. They're kids. They're, they are. They are quite. They're. They're getting interesting. The, I've <laughs> always found them very interesting. I think they're very funny. I like them a lot. Yeah, I know uh, you do. Uh, Quit being such a hard ass. They might listen to this someday. <laughs> your kids can discourse about Kurosawa and Godard. Yeah, man. And 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 you know all these universal horror films like yeah yeah yeah. Mine are, mine are better than most of them. They're pretty good. Quite true. But quite by quite a bit. So um, and and speaking of the Kurosawa, you know you have options when you're going to die when you're facing death, and you can die in your bed covered in your own urine, or you can die with a sword in your hand covered in That's your own blood. That's how I want to go. And I don't want the urine. I would take the blood, and I would go to the village of Seven Samurai. Hell yeah, baby! And um, I, I, I'm I'm definitely the guy with the hoe on the fourth row. You want to be standing. <laughs> you want to put your body between those who mean to do harm and those who need to be protected. Exactly. Hell yeah, man. So if I know I'm going to go down, I would. Definitely uh, jump up with uh, Tashira Mifune and his crew and uh, go down to that village and, yeah, die in the first scene. But See, that's okay. But that's that's kind of why I went with that Night of the Hunter thing. Uh, that's the exact same reason. I totally get it. Yeah. And so, yeah. So, and it's a great idyllic place. There's a lot of neat things going on. It's wonderful people. And you get to die doing a noble thing. So, yeah. If, I, if, I, if cancer is going to eat me, I just assume let the sword get me. So that is my selection uh, for that. Dear listener, we'd like to hear your selections for uh, your uh, – Favorite cinematic places to spend your last days. Yeah, if we hadn't come up with this game like two hours ago, I probably could have had another ten. Like, yeah. this was a really good game, Arthur. This is fun. We could revisit it. I would love to. So, and I'm sure there's going to be movies about you know going someplace to die. You know, it happens we'll, a bit. We'll probably watch more movies about dying. And speaking of that, that probably sounds a bit like analysis. So I guess we might as well get down to business. That beautiful comedy folk music lets you know it is time for us to do what we came here to do. And guys, how did I not? I mean, you got you nailed Middle Earth. I I should have just said New Zealand. Yeah, just pick a movie set in New Zealand. Yeah. Hey, New Zealand, fucking a guys. What a beautiful place that uh, that you got there. It's lovely. It's yeah. really great. And uh, you know, in terms of uh, the imperialism of the British Empire, it seems like a place that's really unpacked that a lot better than others. Uh, you know, living in a place that uh, is a direct, you know, result of that. Um, I, I don't know. I, you know, I've only met like one person from New Zealand and it was in the, you know, the form of an interview when we were doing people's history. So uh, take that grain of salt for what it is. But uh, all the the media I, that uh, I, I've consumed from New Zealand, uh, it, it seems like they're they're just doing a better. I mean, they've got work to do just like everybody does. But they seem to be doing a better job of unpacking that stuff. So kudos to you on that. And kudos to just living in like the prettiest place in the world so anyway we could have all just said new zealand yeah probably yeah that, that's a good place guys let's just go move to new zealand you well, wanna yeah yeah 
Yeah, okay. I'm on board. All right, let's go. How how hard is it to immigrate to New Zealand? I've got a passport. I don't. Oh. I should probably do that. So you're just going to, like, just uh, illegally immigrate to New Zealand? Well, one of these days, yeah, I'm just going to get on a plane and just not leave. Hell yeah, man. The plane? They, they, they can't find They me. seem really nice. They probably won't care. But, uh, I, I, I'm useful in some way, I'm sure. Yeah, so, uh, your, your visa's expired, mate. Uh, what? Your, your visa's expired, mate. Hey, look, your shoe's untied. Oh, well, well. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, fella. Thanks, fella. Thanks. And, and off I go. Look, any place <laughs> that has given us Lord, Reese Darby, and Taika Waititi, yeah, that's got to be a dope place. When your uh, you're fourth most popular folk comedy duo is Flight of the Concords, you've got to be doing something <laughs> Yeah, right. you figured it out. All right. Well. Uh, so, yeah, let's talk about this damn movie. Whoa, Nilly. All right, yeah, let's do that. So um, wh- I don't even know where to begin. We'll find uh, something. Yeah, there's a lot to talk about with this film. I, I, let's start with that existentialism. Yeah, so um, Louisa is going to die. And, uh, and she, she knows it. And she knows it, and her husband is a bit of a heel. And uh, as such, she's like, you know what? Forget about this. I'm going to go play, you know. And um, and play she does. Yep. And uh, it, it she does, you know, use it as an opportunity to sort of speak some wisdom into some young men's life. Uh, Gal Garcia Bernal and uh, Diego Luna's characters. And yeah, I'm I'm glad that that happens. But uh, it also is all framed around this interesting political discussion uh, about the uh, sort of failure for the first time in 71 years of the PRI, uh, which Which is is the... Uh, it's uh, I don't know, know the Spanish for it, but it's basically this. Uh, it, it's a, it's officially part of the Socialist International uh, Socialist Party of Mexico, but it's really more like it's more like the American Greens than okay. it would be really a, than than a proper socialist uh, sort of. They're they're left leaning. And is this the same party that came to power uh, after the Mexican Revolution? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought. And they mentioned it was, they mentioned the first time in seventy one years, so I assumed it was that same party, right? And they're, they're, they've sort of capitulated uh, quite a bit to neoliberalism, and so you see that the president makes it to the uh, the wedding party uh, where Luisa meets uh, Tanakh and uh, Julio, and uh, that uh, he immediately leaves and he denies any uh, sort of involvement in the Carrero Verde massacre, uh, which was not true. They were they were involved. And also, what, what do you know about that? Because uh, I didn't know anything about it. And I didn't have time a, to do research. It's a mining. Uh, in, incident mm-hmm. uh that went on at the time and uh basically uh it was an uprising that they quelled and uh, they did so violently who boy yeah bad um, and also he goes on to a meeting for globalization mm-hmm. and so uh this uh nafta sort of post nafta mm-hmm. kind of thing and nafta seems like a, a thing that would be a great deal for mexico but what in, who ends up benefiting are uh still international companies mostly american companies who have their factories there in mexico and uh, the wages are still very very low and uh and poverty continues yeah it's uh, kind of a raw deal for everybody yeah it's not a good deal uh and so uh, what ends up happening then uh, is this sort of uh, political unrest is going on. We see that Julio's sister is very, very involved in extreme left politics. Which Wait, are, she's the, there's, there's the recurring image of the uh, anarchy symbol in, yeah. in the station wagon that we can only assume was put there by Julio's sister. Right. Uh, because she's going to all these demonstrations. And so, yeah, she's very, very much you know involved in that. Of course, who, um, uh, not Julio, Tanakh's father. Uh, was, Secretary of State. Was Secretary of State, but and also... Had uh, to abscond to Canada for eight months because... 
because he imported poisoned corn and gave it to poor people. Yeah. And they just dropped that fucking nugget right there and just let it lie. Yeah. And, and, you know what it made me think of uh, is those moments in uh, Wolf of Wall Street where Leo's voiceover will mention just something completely earth-shattering, like, oh, yeah, that guy killed himself, like, a week later. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so we were at this Coke party. <laughs> right. And that's kind of, it kind of made me think of that. The the voiceover in this film just kind in of... In passing. Yeah, yeah. It will drop some real, like, uh, when they drive through this tiny village and Tanakh realizes, shit, this is where my nanny is from. Yeah. And he just doesn't tell anybody. Yeah. And that's really kind of little nuggets like that. I, that's... Uh, the existentialism we're talking about that's going on with this political unrest, the narration does such a good job of letting you have those moments of uh, inner monologue from all the characters. That that omniscient point of view that the narrator has really allows these things to take fruition because, again, it's all subtext. I mean, all the political stuff going on, we really only learn through the narration, which certainly seems to, speaking of globalization uh, being talked about in the film, it certainly seems to make E2 Mamatambian more understandable for a global audience. It's helping you understand a lot about Mexican culture and Mexican uh, politics in the late 90s and helping you, um, again, as an American who, uh, guys, I, I am still just a dumb American. There's a lot of shit that I don't know. And it does a really good job of filling in the blanks that are helpful to know if you don't already know a lot about what was going on in late 20th century Mexico. Right. And so with that all going on, and the, and on top of this, Luisa is dying. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she, so what it does, I think, interesting, fascinatingly to me, is that it says, okay, yes, indeed, indeed uh, adventure, experience, those things. And it doesn't do the thing that a lot of political films might do and say, see, this is entirely vapid. This is entirely useless. You know, why can you be doing this while there's poor people? And it's saying, no, 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 this stuff is a lot of fun but if this stuff is all you do then you just die and there's still poor people right yeah. and, the, and the little girl uh loreco only gets a little mouse named mm-hmm. louisa and that's not really much consolation with your life at the end yeah because the real lesson uh for tonight needs to be this is where your nanny who raised you came from like there's something, and you're right, the film doesn't, you know, browbeat about, like, look at these assholes traveling through all these poor villages. It says, no, these kids are learning something on this road trip. They are learning about, Julio is realizing, oh, shit, it could be a lot worse than I have at Mexico City. And Tanakh's realizing, oh, my God, my family has gotten really rich doing some bad stuff. Right. And I think there is something really great about the way that it weaves those things throughout this existential narrative. Um, for, for me, the, the moments um, towards the end of the film where they're just, you know, uh, here, uh, I'll give you 350 pesos and I'll take you around these beaches for a day and I'll feed you guys. That there's something really kind of great about that, and then we get the monologue about what happens to Chewie. Mm-hmm. Uh, the narration about what happens to Chewie, I think, is a really great way to let you know it could it's going to get bad. And right. people like Tanakh are the ones who have the privilege and opportunity to make the world a better place if they don't just listen to their dads and go major in economics and go get into politics. Like that's not really how you affect change. Not really. I mean, you can lie to yourself and tell yourself that that's how you're going to make change in the world. Politics are self-serving, man. So, and I really love that moment where we get that voiceover about Chewie and then still at the end, Knox, uh just going to go do what his dad wanted him to do, even after learning all this shit about himself that, yeah, he's kind of in love with his best friend. And yeah, poverty is a lot worse than I had uh, been led to believe. Um, and again, I, I think the existentialism of Luisa's impending death 
really does a great job of carrying those messages throughout the film. Right. And and it does give this idea that you can have a great time if you go travel in Mexico and without spending a whole lot of money. People do it all the time. They go to Cancun, they go to Acapulco, you know, they do these kind of things all the time. And until uh, multinational corporations move in and put up a hotel on these private beaches that only fishermen know about and ruin the local economy. Exactly. And that that this this is all bent on the backs of people who are really suffering and that their very their their very existence is very fragile. And uh, that fragility is sort of part of what's being exposed there. So, yes, indeed, go to Mexico. Enjoy the beaches. That's great. You know, if you find some fishermen like Chewy who will feed you fried fish and take you around and, and find that Heaven's Mouth really is a real place, even though you made it up just to you just know, to impress a girl, <laughs> and to impress a girl. Right. Even though that's all possible, that there's still this other stuff happening that needs to be of, of, a, of a primary concern as well, that that we need both bread and roses. I mean, that seems to be what the, the, the fundamental idea uh, of the film is and I, I like that a lot and I, I enjoy that sort of uh, contextualization instead of it being just sort of another version of the bucket list or uh, or city slickers or something like that you know what's your one thing or this is the stuff I want to do before I kick over it's about what about these people that's that's much more interesting to me and in the context of the sort of post-NAFTA uh, failure of the PRI, and Zadia, I think, is the last president of the of that 71-year strength. It's, it's a Z word. I forget his last name. Uh, but anyway, in that sort of extreme moment there. So that's all really, really interesting to me. But we have to talk about something else. Is it sex? It is sex. <laughs> Let's talk about uh, sex, Let's talk baby. about sex and uh, the... the this movie's gay, yo. Just... This movie's queer as hell, and I love it. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, this this movie is really because because here is the problem, right? The, the the problems that come up are dishonesty, right? It's not sexual exploration. Sexual sexual exploration doesn't cause anybody any problems in this movie. It's dishonesty about it, right? It, it's the feelings of uh, the the narrator. Oh my god, this is one of my favorite scenes. So when um, Tanak uh, has sex with Luisa for the first time, and Julio walks by and sees it. And it talks about, or was it the other way around? Shit, uh, to knock the first. Yeah, that's yeah. what I thought. That moment where it says Julio had only felt this time, felt this way one time before, and he it was when he saw his mom and his godfather like making out, um, and that just kind of leaves it lie like that. And then Julio uh, has a, it's, has a similar voiceover moment for uh, for oh. That voiceover moment for Julio is followed by a similar voiceover moment for Tanakh that I can't even remember what... Well, that's when he told him he'd slept yeah. with his girlfriend. Yeah, but there, there's another moment that it's like, and that's the only time he had ever felt that shitty before. And all of these stem from dishonesty. Yeah. All of these times, the happiest people are about sex, it's when they're getting drunk and shouting over to Chewy, right? Mm-hmm. That's the happiest anybody is talking yeah. about sex, is when they're being honest. Hey, man, I didn't just have sex with your girlfriend one time. We had sex a bunch. Hey, dude, it's cool. I had sex with your girlfriend a bunch, too. And I fucked your mom. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that's it's, the E2 Mama Tombi. Exactly. And it's unclear if that's true. It seems like it might be, though. I think it is. I yeah. kind of think I, I am inclined to believe When she true. cleaned my aura. Yeah, I, <laughs> I'm inclined. But again, that's the only time nobody's bummed out is when they're being honest with each other. And that, I think, is really what the film, what Quran and, and company do a great job of imparting about the sexuality of this film is. Tanaka and Julio and Luisa would all be a lot happier if they'd stopped lying to each other. Luisa married this rich guy because he was nice and seemed interesting. He had a cute Mexican accent and, you know, was studying in Spain and the love of her life had just died. Mm-hmm. This, this guy that she had really, really cared deeply for died in an accident. Um, and that, that's the implication you get is that she kind of moved on very quickly. Yeah, she needed to move on. I mean, she, she was in sort of a financial situation yeah. where she kind of had to. Yeah, and that's... 
and she's, you know, her, uh, I can't remember uh, Tanakh's cousin name, but Luisa's husband. Um, Jono. Jono, is that it? Yeah, well, he's been cheating on Luisa, like, constantly. Mm-hmm. Just constantly. And she's known about it. And that's what she tells him when she finally leaves him, let, lets him know I'm leaving you, is, I knew about it the whole time, you, the, you dipshit. Of course I knew. I'm not an idiot. I just mm-hmm. hope you'd change. But you didn't. And instead of spending my last days with you... I'm going to go fuck off and be happy. I'll see you later. And that's, I think, what she's trying to impart, right? Um, she has some guilt, I think, over using these two young kids uh, without really being totally upfront with them. And I think th- her performance and the writing of that character does a really great job of imparting that, right? Of a simultaneous guilt, but also, as you said, th- there is a, a desire to impart some wisdom to these kids, to, like, teach these boys how to be men and how to like actually take care of each other and the other people in their lives but there's a dark shade to that there is yeah in, in terms she, of colonialism she's from spain mm-hmm. they're in mexico he's got an aztec name mm-hmm. so there is this sort of imperialist colonialist thing that's going on with that as well well the inverse of it's really interesting though because the guy with the aztec name is the rich one right he is the rich imperialist he comes from the family with money she comes from a very poor family in Spain and had to become a dental technician because she had to make money right. quickly. Um, so, so there's I, layers to it. There's right. a lot of, I mean, every character re- relationship in this film is filled with nuance. And uh, again, uh, at the end of the day, what would have made uh, Leo and I happier would probably just been admitting they were horny for each other. Yeah. I mean, they jerked off right next to each other. Guys, they jerked off right, right next, next to each other. Yeah. They they just they just wanted to be together a little bit, and as soon as they let that door open, it killed their friendship because they couldn't be honest with each other about it. And uh, I think that's really, as far as the sexuality of this film goes, I think what Karan uh, is trying to get at is you just got to be honest with people about what you want and what you need. Uh, and that 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 for me is what works so well about about the sexuality of this film. Yeah, Latino machismo is about lying. Is fundamentally what it comes down to. That machismo sort of you know ethos is is about pretending you don't feel, pretending you don't think, uh, boasting and ex- exaggerating one's conquests, and then um, whatever other feelings that don't fit the the the, the mold of machismo, mm-hmm. then you've got to repress that. Well, there's this there's this moment when they're driving through one of the towns, and the, when the narrator comes in, he says, you know. Uh, they withhold certain facts to fit the narrative that are, you know, they don't feel as important or, you know, you know, uh, uh, raises the seat, but he fails to mention this when he's at Julio's house. He always raises the seat with his foot. Yeah. And then I can't remember what he says about Julio does something as well. He lights matches just to yeah. cover up the smell. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and so, you know, there's uh, going back to honesty. I think that's a vital, you know, theme throughout the movie. And, and, and even from a Manister point or, you know, like, the things that Quran is choosing to tell us, you know, politically and stuff like that to help fit this narrative and shape this narrative, I, I think is very interesting. But yeah, the, the honesty thing, and, and, and that struck me, the, the scene where he's saying, you know, we, we tell these bits to form our narrative, you know, to make ourselves look better because we, ha- we can't upset the balance. And, you know, that's what he says uh, Louisa believes she's done. She's upset the balance. Well, and you mentioned it kind of in passing in, in the opening of the show, Arthur. The narrator in this film kind of functions similarly to Ron Howard's narrator in Arrested Development. Yeah. I mean, it's not as jokey, obviously. Yeah. But it's used for jokes every once in a while. Yeah. And it's often used to let you know they were lying. Yeah. This character is lying right now. Yeah. And you, it, it's just it's to let the audience in on somebody's being really dishonest yeah. about how they feel right now. Yeah. And it's going to have repercussions. Yeah. Yeah, we get the, well. We get that scene at the end, right when they they meet after the trip. It's been some months, or I can't remember how long. You know, the time is after. Yeah, right. They're both about to start university. Yeah, and, and 
we get the you know the voiceovers you know this will be the last time they meet and then it cuts back to them and you know okay we'll we'll see each other yeah I'll see, I'll see you soon man yeah and that's it yep yeah and sad you know it's, it is it's, it's life sad yeah and, no. it is, and it is life yeah I mean and that's I, I think that is another thing that the, this film captures about uh, youth really well is you're not going to have all those friends forever. Yeah. I mean, some of those people are just going to leave your life. I've got friends like that, man, mm-hmm. uh, that I say, yeah, but we'll talk soon. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't spoken to them in years. Yeah. Uh, and that shit just happens. Yeah. And sometimes it's not as intense as you guys had a three-way with somebody. Sometimes it's little stuff. Sometimes it's big stuff like that. But there are going to be people that are going to mean the world to you that you're never going to see again, yeah. even though you know how to get a hold of them. Um, and, and I think that is the melancholy of the film, writ large but again as you both have mentioned i i've kind of focused on the sadder aspects but as you both mentioned it is a, a very joyous film it is the absolute pinnacle of life is worth living movies as, as you mentioned dustin it, it captures that man isn't it great to just go on a road trip with some people and like uh yeah it, it's great to go on a road trip with some people and uh, do some weird stuff like get, get into some stuff sexually meet some new people but also if you're dishonest about what you want and how you feel you're not going to get to keep those relationships. If you re- if you really care about people, you got to tell them what you're feeling, and you got to tell them when there's an indiscretion, yeah. or it's just going to ruin everything. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, there you go, dear listener. That's our thoughts on E2 Mama Tambia. We'd love to hear yours uh, via those magical means. Of I want to watch media. this movie again. I'm not and fucking around. This is, is such a so good movie. Good. Yeah. So uh, I guess it brings us to the point where we render a verdict about the film, Dalton. So um, shelf or trash, Ellister instead. What do you say? Yeah, it's shelf, man. Uh, it's absolutely fantastic. Um, what should you watch with it? Um, that's a rough one. Uh, th- this movie feels kind of singular to me i haven't experienced a lot of other films like this the only one i can think of uh and i can't the only name i can remember attached to it's uh, rose mcgowan but it's a film from the mid 90s called the doom generation uh it's part of uh 90s queer cinema american queer cinema um it's a, a similarly like uh sexually exploration-y uh road trip movie it's a lot darker it's a lot darker and a lot more uh, intentionally so. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it's gothy and like uh, there's there's murders, as I recall. I haven't seen it in a couple of years, but I remember it was one of the first like super low budget. It was one of the first times I ever saw uh, semen in, in a in a non pornographic film, uh, and I just remember seeing it, just being, "Whoa, what the fuck? You can do that." <laughs> Because I, I, I can't even remember how I found this movie, but I saw it you know, late high school, early college. And it's the only other movie I've ever seen that comes close to doing similar things as E2 Mama Tambi. And, and again, that that film is much more intentionally uh, uh, grindhousey. I mean, it's intentionally exploitative at times, I think. Uh, but it is engaging with a lot of the same themes in terms of, you know, uh, indiscretions that go un, unspoken, um, you know, sexual dalliances within friend groups that up upend relationships in a bad way. Um, and it's a road movie. Mm. Um, but again, it's also very stylized. It is not nearly as real world as it's, it's very much kind of operating, uh, in an, its own reality, but it's worth checking out. Um, I haven't seen it in a couple of years, so I can't attest to like how good it is, but it's definitely worth checking out just in terms of an art, uh, interesting cultural artifact. Um, what else I'm going to go ahead and say, We've, we've talked about the show a lot, but it's my favorite Quran film, and it's Children of Men. Um, it's a good movie. It is absolutely one of my favorite films probably ever, honestly. And I, I think uh, what I like about Quran, uh, 
is his interest in exploring different parts of the world, um, you know, both his, his native Mexico and both, you know, a fantasy UK and a dystopian, you know, post-apocalyptic UK. Um, I, th- his interests are very – I'm fascinated by what this guy chooses to to, atta- to attack and talk about. I mean, his last film was a giant space survival movie. Uh, what are you doing, buddy? You got a road movie, a, a, a queer road movie, and a giant IMAX 3D space movie? What an interesting filmmaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, you, you got to get get you into Quran if you're not already. Um, if you've only seen, you know, the bigger stuff like Children of Men and Gravity and the Harry Potter movie, you got to go back and pick up Itumama Tambi and if you're a big Quran fan. So uh, those are things I would pair with it, the Doom Generation uh, and, of course, Children of Men. All right. Thank you very much for that, Mr. Dalton. Sir, what do you say, Arthur Gordon? Shelf or trash elsewhere instead? Yeah, definitely. This is shelfable. I, th- I, th- I think uh, that's a hard shelf. Um, I'm going to say that uh, there are a couple things. I've, I've got a trilogy planned that you watch along with this Um but also, I, I, I would say the big chill goes with this, uh, especially where we end off here, you know, this idea of, you know, friendship that ends, you know, we say it won't end, but we don't, you know, revisit those relationships. And and I think the big chill looks at that in a different way. And, and when we do get back together with friends, you know, that we've, I, we had these dreams with. I've never caught these... up on that. Is, is it good? Yeah. Okay. I'm a, I, I, it's, I initially watched it and liked it, but the more I've. It stuck with me and resonated with me, and, and and I think that's you know something to said about that. Also, where I'm at, you know, it's about a bunch of thirty year olds who get back together mm-hmm. to you know talk with their high school college friends and reflect on the dreams they had that they didn't fulfill and see where they've become. And I think that's interesting. Um, so I, I would pair that, but also I would have a coming of age trilogy that I think you could uh, pair with this. I, I would say Stand by Me uh, goes with this, uh, especially where that until you know leaves off with the narrator kind of highlighting where each person goes. It kind of reminds me of the end of this. I would also say The Way, Way Back uh, with Sam Rockwell. Oh, what a good movie. Yeah, uh, I think that's a fun coming-of-age movie. And then I would also say The Breakfast Club um, okay. works well here as well. I, I think those are all uh, really good coming-of-age movies that would pair well with Itamama Hamian. All right, thank you very much for that, Mr. Arthur Gordon. I'm also going to say Shelf. I mean, I love this movie so much. Um, in terms of a coming-of-age film, I thought of Lady Bird uh, recently. Holy shit, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, a, it's a different perspective. It's definitely very, very American. Yeah. It's obviously very, very female. But um, there's a lot of it going on as well. Yeah. But I think this, it, it would be an interesting pairing. Uh, yeah, it's definitely obviously much more about uh, you know parental relationships. But right. yeah, there's a absolutely yeah, great so, pairing. So it would be a lot of fun uh, there. But I'm going to actually um, – Gal Garcia Barnal, um, I'm going to suggest – just a couple, three films from him uh, that you ought to check out. So if you were to watch Ichimoma Tambien, I think then you could go ahead and watch Amoros Peros uh, with uh, Bernal, uh, which is uh, sort of... That's the Almodovar film, uh, right? Inarito. Inarito, okay. And it's sort of his Magnolia, almost, set okay. in Mexico City, is the best way I can describe it. They're both it. known for such dour films that I often get their filmographies mixed up. That's fair. Um, but yeah, I think it would be a great uh, film to see. And also, No, uh, where he is um, talking about the uh, the the uh, Pinochet election uh, in the 80s uh, and running the ad campaign to uh, vote against uh, keeping him on the ballot and to have somebody else there. Uh, yeah, that's a movie you like a lot. I like no a bunch. And uh, so I would definitely recommend you check it out as well. And so those are my recommends is that you do a Bernal trilogy uh, with that and, you know, throw in Lady Bird for just kicks and grins. Uh, and you will definitely grin some and then maybe be sad as well. And that's a good combination at all times. So there you go, dear listener. That's our thoughts on an 
analysis on E2 Mama Tom Bien. Uh, we're going to move right on down with this good trash, anti-trash marathon in the month of January. Arthur, what's happening next? Well, next week is episode 250. God, that's can't, that can't be right. It's buck wild, I know. Oh, man. Um, the little engine that could all those years ago, and we're still doing this for some reason. Um, yeah, but, I guess uh, I like having you guys around. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's the main reason. I think it's because I don't love myself. But anyway, <laughs> that's probably also <laughs> two parts of that. Um, but we, we, in that moment, Dustin knew that he was being more than a little bit honest, <laughs> and he would never be able to truly tell Dalton and Arthur how he really felt. Hey, hey, hey. Um, so uh, yeah, so we thought we need, we need to do something big, something you know, just iconic. Uh, that we uh, would really stand the test of time for episode 250, such a milestone. So we thought about it, and uh, we finally settled on the one and only David Lynch's Eraserhead. I'm so excited. It's going to be fun. I have never seen it. Uh, I, I, I'm glad that this is what we're going with. I feel like this is a bunch of movie Dustin scene, and then us just like coming in for the first time this this this, this year. I mean, uh, anti trash okay. often goes that way. <laughs> <laughs> it really often is Dustin being like, uh, "I've got a bunch of super hoover, superhero movies to catch up with. I ain't got time for this <laughs> art stuff." That... <laughs> yeah. I'm gonna try to squeeze in both Eraserhead and also the Straight Story. Just to really get weird with it, well, the, uh, Lynch's Lynch, most conventional film. Lynch considers uh, the straight story to be his most experimental film. Yeah, because it's not experimental. Uh, okay, uh, from what I've heard, it's his Disney movie. Exactly. That's why it's experimental it's for him. Insane. Yeah, that's why I'm going to try to squeeze it in too. But um, we'll, we'll find out next week in heaven. Everything is just fine, and I'm very, very excited to hear what you guys have to say. about Do you guys want to try to watch Racerhead together? I don't know. Yeah. Let's see. Let's see right. what the calendar looks like. Listener, you'll find out in one week's time whether or not we were able to do that. <laughs> uh, that might have been uh, inside baseball that we should have talked about off air, but uh, I don't give a shit. It's all right, because it's all about having a conversation this about the This is Dalton's movies. show anyway, so he gets to make the rules. <laughs> I know, right? And Dalton knew in that moment in his heart of hearts that he spoke the truth for the first time in five years. <laughs> so there you go, dear listener. You keep watching, and Dalton will keep talking, and we'll see you all <laughs> next time. Thanks for tuning in to the Good Trash Genrecast. The Good Trash Genrecast is a product of Good Trash Media. For more info on all things Good Trash, head on over to goodtrashmedia.com. Our intro music is, as always, a super cut of a bunch of film clips curated by our own Arthur Gordon, set to the score from Wonder Woman by Hans Zimmer and Junkie XL. And our outro music this week is Watermelon and Easter Hay by Frank Zappa.